no, we will not repeal Bill 7 because it is in the best interest of people who are sitting in acute care beds, keeping beds uh, away from people who need them, and from people who want to be Lots. in long-term care, Mr. Speaker. We'll continue to work with uh, patients to ensure that they transition from being a patient to being a resident in a home. That's Paul Calandra, who's the Minister of Long-Term Care. I don't know. It sounds slightly callous. I understand that the government's trying to do what they can to free up space. And I get it. If you're waiting right now for surgery and yours is postponed because there just aren't enough beds to take you, you could be frustrated to find out that someone is still in the hospital that um, is waiting for a space in long-term care. One has opened up, but it could be very far away. And that's not where they want to be. And for various reasons, this may not suit them. Bill 7 passed in late August, came into effect um, at the end of September. But it was really only yesterday when the most controversial component of that bill kicked in. And now hospitals are required to charge a mandatory fee of $400 per day to um, patients who refer to go or who refuse to go to a long-term care home arranged on their behalf. Here to talk about it, Dr. Samir Sinha, Director of Geriatrics of Sinai Health and the University Health Network. Welcome to the show. This is a tough one because I think we all see what uh, is trying to be accomplished and uh, it's uh, it's a rock and a hard place, really. Um, but what recourse do you have if you're in this situation uh, where you are in a hospital bed that uh, could be used and you are fit to go to a long-term care home, uh, but you don't want to go there. Yeah, this is a difficult one, Kelly, because on the face of it, it sounds like, you know, the government's just trying to really help improve flow in the system. And and as, as Minister Klandra says, you know, these are people who want to go to a long-term care home, but, uh, uh, and, and, and we don't, they don't want to be in a hospital. You know, we don't want to keep them in a hospital. We want to free up those beds. So this just makes it easier for everybody. What, what they're not really saying is, is that, you know, many of these folks who are waiting for long-term care have made five choices. They've said, these are the five homes that work for me and my family to go to. Um, you know, they, you know, speak my language, for example. Uh, they're actually located close to my family members so they can regularly visit me and they can provide me the care that I need. But the sad part here is that because we have such a long wait uh, for long-term care beds right now in the province, people might be waiting on average three to four months to be able to get into the home of their choice. Uh, and so this is where the government's put this legislation into place that says, well, you know, there is that home that the military were involved in. It's 150 kilometers, and right now nobody's choosing it. So there are empty beds there. So we've had a conversation about you, you know, with them. I know you didn't want us to have the conversation, but we now have the legal right to have that conversation, share your personal health information, and negotiate a bed offer with this home that happens to be 150 kilometers away. And so while you've made five other choices, we want you to take this choice because they can take you tomorrow. And if you say no, $400 a day. That's basically what this comes down to. And so with this legislation, They've actually had to change the Patient Bill of Rights. They've actually had to change our Patient Health and Consent Acts, um, you know, that, that allow, um, that now no longer require your consent to have your information shared with others. Uh, and these are the things that have happened behind the scenes. And the sad part is, is that this is gonna be legislation, uh, this is legislation that's cruel, 
um, that actually punishes older people, mostly older people, and often vulnerable people who can't defend themselves. So your question was, what recourse do people have? You know, of course, the act says that people can say, no, I don't want to go to a place that I didn't agree to. But then the government also can say, fine, you have the right to say no, but then that triggers a $400 a day charge or $12,000 a month, which is just insane. You brought up the, the, the fact that there are some people that might be moved to that home that the military had to go in, uh, in, into to help out during the pandemic. That to me is terrifying. Can you just punctuate why the military went into that particular home? Yeah, we know that a number of the homes that, uh, that really struggled, you know, was, it, you know, there were huge problems happening. There were staffing issues. There were leadership and management issues. There were reasons why that some of these homes that don't have great reputations, uh, just because they weren't able to provide the quality of care. These are the ones we heard about on the news on a regular basis. And now when people are choosing homes, which a regular person is allowed to choose where they want to live, people are, are understandably saying, I still don't want to go there. Um, or I'm still reading the inspection reports and there's lots of complaints that are happening. So I don't want to go there. And people, at least in general, have the right to choose where they want to live. And That's family members must be saying that too. I don't want my loved one to go there. Are you kidding me? Exactly. But the government's now saying, look, you know, we have... Uh, you know, even though we have 40,000 people on the wait list, you know, we've got some homes that actually have empty beds. Uh, and this is a way that we can make sure that all these beds are full. And so they, they also say that, hey, if you go to this home, it'll be on a temporary basis. Um, and, uh, and you'll be prioritized to be able to go to your home of choice. The, yeah. the, the, rea the reality is, is that there actually isn't a prioritization system that any of us know about. Um, you're going to be waiting, of course, for your, your, your preferential choice. But the challenge is right now, there are people who are waiting two or three years for their preferred choice when they're sent to one of these homes. So this idea that it's temporary, we have to be honest with people, this could be until you die. And, uh, and it could be as far as 150 kilometers away. Do patients do better in a home? They'll do better in a home that's actually geared to meet their needs, where they actually want to live, uh, and actually allows them to have access to their family members and friends. Yes, you know, you know, like I believe that people will do better being in a long-term care home that they want to live in, and that can actually meet their needs and actually can facilitate you know, access to their loved ones. But when you're being forced to go to a place, like just think of it this way, you know, you've chosen probably what house or what apartment you're living in. We all have that fundamental right. But now if we tell people you're going here, even though it doesn't suit you personally, um, it may not be a home that speaks your language, provides the activities or the supports that you need. Um, you know, you're not just something that needs to be water and fed. You're, 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 you're a human being that actually needs to have care so that you can thrive and do well. So, you know, will people be better off in a home? Absolutely, if it's the right home for them. But when we're negating mm -hmm. the choices that people have made um, and sending them or shoving them in a place where they don't want to be, uh, otherwise they're forced to pay $400 a day, that's that's not going to work well for many of these residents or their families. Dr. Sin, I've got about a minute left with you. I just wanted to ask you if we are moving people to homes that are not of their choice and people can't help them out. How important is it uh, for caregiving that the family members help out um, their loved ones? 
it's massive and we're really neglecting the fact that much of the care that people receive in long-term care homes are from their family members and friends and when you're now maybe three towns over uh, and it's not easy for your family members to be able to get to you it's hard for them to advocate on your behalf it's hard for them to be able to provide the care and the social support you need Dr. Sin, I want to thank you for uh, punctuating what's going on because I think uh, we've kind of let this story go by the wayside and now it's here, $400 a day. There's no way for um, a hospital to say, no, I'm not charging it, or is there? Well, the government has said you must charge it. So that's a difficult place to be. Uh, That's putting those healthcare workers in a really tough spot. That's for sure. I wouldn't want to be the one delivering that news. Dr. Sinna, thanks very much. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Kelly. All right. Have a great day. Dr. Samir Sinha, Director of Geriatrics at Sinai Health and the University Health Network.